Hello guys, welcome back to the newest episode of the Rugby Collective. Once again, I'm here with James Seagrave and we'll be having a look at the uh, previous round of Gallagher Premiership fixtures as well as taking a look across to round 7-2. Bit of a change up this week, we're going to do a little bit of a draft feature uh, where we've both selected our teams um, uh, of our, our best Gallagher Premiership 15. But the rules are you have to have at least one player from each Premiership side, so it should be interesting to see how uh, how we both line up for that one. Uh, evening, James. How are we doing? Yeah, not bad, mate. I think getting further into the season now, round six, uh, nearly a quarter of the way there, I think. So it'll be interesting to see how it's interesting seeing how the teams are doing over a bit more of a prolonged period. Yeah, definitely. And as you said, six rounds in now. Looking forward to the. Uh, to the seventh, and it's really starting to take a shape with a, a lot of surprises. I don't think anyone would have predicted that the, the table to look quite like this at this stage. Um, definitely an interesting one. A couple of shock uh, results this weekend as well. Uh, look first at Northampton, 66-10 victory against Worcester Warriors. Really not a great performance for, for Worcester at all. No, I think Worcester uh, I need to find something. They obviously started the season quite well. And since then, have just really fallen away. I think 150 points over the last three weeks, obviously, is not good enough. Um, but yeah, really worrying times for Worcester, I think. Yeah, it's, it is a bit worrying. I, I know, obviously, they've got a few players out injured. And they're not a they're not a full strength outfit that they'd uh, sort of want to be seeing. Um, still, though, to, to be shipped with that many points off really isn't great. Big credit to Northampton Saints, though. What a debut for their for their new man out wide. Um, Skozen. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Courtney Skozen, the, the South African. He's come over and, and scored a hat-trick on debut. So, great performance from him and, and a great addition to that, that back line. Um, yeah, fantastic win for Northampton as they keep on uh, pushing through the, the leaderboard. Um, so, great game for Northampton Saints there. Um one of the biggest results of the weekend was London Irish versus Exeter. 33-21 win away from home over at Sandy Park. What a result that is. Yeah, I mean, obviously I did my predictions last week. I mean, four and two, not too bad. But yeah, this is one I'm not sure many predicted Irish going to Chiefs and doing them over. And let's be honest, they thoroughly deserved their win. They were uh, quite comfortable. I think one of the most comfortable results I've seen a team go to Sandy Park and and Rob Baxter came out after the game and said, realistically, in rugby, generally, you win when you deserve to win and you lose when you deserve to lose. They came out and said, fair play to Irish. They just outplayed us, outbattled us. And I think it's been an interesting season so far for Exeter because you look at it and these are games they never usually lose. And to come, especially even if it's even if they're not playing well, they seem to grind out a result. But yeah, they, they, they got a bit battered, really. Yeah, and it was, it was a hell of a... Hell of a result for Irish. And you've got to say it has been coming. These games, they've really strung together some good performances and not quite been rewarded for that. Uh, sort of looking at the scoreline at the end of the game, a couple of draws and and the rest defeats. But this was a thoroughly deserved uh, performance. And I think they really kick on for this, actually. Um, don't lose too many internationals, I don't think, uh, come Autumn Nations times. So they should be able to, to kick on and really, really make their way up the Premiership. I listened to... Uh, um, uh, an interview with, with Nick Phipps earlier on and I think that they want to be in the top half of the table but I think they really probably set their heights 
uh, their eyes a little bit uh, higher than that because I think they do have the quality and the play style to get there. It's just about getting these results when they're they're playing well too. Um, but yeah, fantastic result for Irish and uh, yeah, not not great for Exeter yet. Yeah, um, weird I think for them when when they are normally so solid, uh, they normally ch- sit comfortably at the top of the table. So for them to be, I think fifth, sixth at the moment. Sixth. So yeah, there's a bit of a drop off and and especially with currently they've got all their internationals. Obviously next week, uh, a lot of like hog um, and a lot of their players go. Although I have just seen the Scotland lineup and there is no hog in it. As, as, so I'm not sure if he can play Brexter this week. Yeah, so you've got to remember this is outside of the international window, meaning that any players that have to leave the country where they play their club rugby for aren't allowed to leave until next week, I believe. So all the premiership sides will be out there, England internationals. So you'll look at uh, the likes of Slade and co, who will be going away for Exeter. Um, they'll, they'll be going away. They, they will still have the likes of uh, Stuart Hogg, though. Um, and, and likewise for, for Gloucester, who they're playing, will have the likes of Chris Harris, Louis Rees-Samet available in their ranks too. Um, so, yeah, very disappointing start to the season for Exeter. But um, yeah, I don't think I don't think there'll be too many concerns yet. They're still well within touching distance of top four, only four points away. Um, although that is with, interestingly enough, actually, the second, third, and fourth place sides all have a game in hand on Leicester at the top. And they are currently, well, Northampton are fourth on 19 points. Uh, and then the next the next team below are Gloucester on 17. So very interesting that, that these three sides still have a game to play, um, but seeming to make a little bit of headway at the top of the table there. Yeah, I think it is. That's one of the interesting things about the bye week this year is it's bringing in this weird anomaly where you can't really tell what's happening with the table because you see, especially the teams you play on a, um, a Sunday, you end up with, you can have teams playing two less games than a team sat directly above them. So I think it is, it is playing with the table a little bit and you, you won't see until every team's had a, their first bye week that it all um, evens itself out. But yeah, they're, they're there or thereabouts, but definitely better than some of the other teams. But yeah, still for extra high standards, I think that's the thing with this. It's all about perspective. If if this was most of the clubs, you'd be like, oh, they're having a very solid season. But because Exeter every year are there, uh, normally at the forefront, it, I think it shows. Yeah, yeah, I can only agree there. I can only agree. Um, well, the other fixture um, was actually the the, play, the team just ahead of Exeter in the league. Uh, Gloucester got a 29-20 victory over the Newcastle Falcons. Um Got a little bit tense in the middle of the, the second half, but a pretty professional performance from Gloucester in our four games unbeaten. Um, find themselves in fifth place in the table, so they'll be delighted with that. Yeah, I think it was quite comfortable. Although it's 29-20, obviously, ex- uh, Newcastle scored that try right in about the 83rd minute, so a little bit more comfortable than maybe even the score I suggest. And I think against a team like Newcastle, um, Gloucester will be very happy because it was obviously... Um, a bit of a gritty, horrible game as Newcastle seemed to draw most people into. But I think the impressive thing was uh, Lloyd Evans, obviously coming back in for Adam Hastings. And I think that that was a good thing for Gloucester. Obviously, after their start to the season, Hastings came in and they looked a basically different team after their first two losses. Um, so to win without Hastings in the squad, obviously picked up a slight knock, I believe. 
So, um, yeah, to win without him being in place, I think will give a lot of Gloucester fans a bit of hope for the coming weeks as he's been called up to um, Scotland. Yeah, definitely. And I think the the issue for, for Evans has always been consistency, but hopefully with that little bit of competition there with Hastings, where he's got a very viable chance of getting himself back into that starting 10 jersey, um, I really think it's going to be brilliant for him just to have that competition, just constantly pushing him on. He did say previously that he, he I think they changed kicking coach or, or he had a um, more time with the kicking coach, certainly, um, as that was one of the areas of his game that he really wanted to improve. And we, we saw that in a six from six competition. Um, I think Gloucester's main attribute was the way it was how sort of solid defensively they were, especially within the midfield, apart from, from that, that little blip in the second half. Um, but Newcastle, after looking at the stats, almost all of Newcastle's ball was off off of nine rather than spreading it out to, to 10 and then even 12. Um, maybe that's one of Gloucester's strengths, defending these big forwards coming through. Um, and they sort of played the ref quite quite nicely and got, got him on side um, to sort of get, get the benefit of the doubt for a lot of uh, 50-50 decisions. Um, disappointing for Newcastle, but probably one of their, not one of their best games that, that we've seen them play. As we said, they'll probably be looking to work, to sort of work their way up the table slowly, but also keep their feet on the floor and not not have any of these unrealistic expectations that they're going to go and win the league this year. Um, but definitely some solid foundations being made for the Falcons too. Yeah, I think obviously a lot of Newcastle's games within their forwards and based on their pack. And I think Gloucester are really building a strong pack there themselves. So I think coming up against it, it's going to kind of take away one of... Um, Newcastle strengths and I think when you look at Gloucester how they're scoring a lot of their tries and both their tries in this game basically came from the rolling ball obviously Rip Alvareskin's won directly from a rolling ball and then Johnny Lay's won straight off the back of it um, and I think they're really building a weapon there that's going to grind down teams and although when you actually look at their squad Gloucester probably you'd say the star players are all pretty much amongst the backs their pack seems to be the one fronted up and, and pretty much providing the basis for all of their tries recently. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, first time in a while that we've seen some solid direction from Gloucester and and to see where they, they want to go and, and how that plan's actually coming into place and seemingly working quite well at the moment. Um, they'll be a bit disappointed about the, the points they shared in the, in the early second half, but overall, a win's a win. Uh, solid performance at home. And I'll look to welcome Exeter on Friday night, which will be a hell of a, a, hell of a fixture. Um Slightly concerning first half for, for Harlequins with a little bit of hope as, as Bath with 17-12 up in, at, at half time. Then Harlequins came back for a 31-17 win uh, at home to Bath Rugby. Again, another another great win for, for Harlequins, especially when they were up against it a bit, being being down at a half time. Yeah, I mean, it was always going to be very difficult for Bath coming into the stoop, having been battered like they were last week. I thought it was interesting. Obviously, Orlando Bailey got um, picked ahead of Cipriani. So I think maybe that shows a bit of their impetus and that if you're not playing well, you will get dropped no matter how old or experienced you should be. Um, but yeah, to, to come into that and be 17-12 up at half-time, I mean, it, it looked quite good at one point. But yeah, Quinn's just came through and Esther Hazen looked absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I think Don Brown probably sat at the trial of the week um, his catch and then offload to Marchant to put him in the corner was absolutely silly to even catch the ball in the first place, but then to have the awareness to slip his, slip the man in. 
it was uh, unbelievable. And if he's not playing for England, there'll be some big question marks over why he's not um, playing. Yeah, that was absolutely outrageous. To, to pull that off was just absolutely obscene. Um, yeah, unbelievable player. And he, he seems to get better every week. And I know we said it sort of when we started this podcast, when, one of Quinn's strengths last season was these players in their core positions. You look at Danny Kerr performing well, Alex Dombrandt performing well, Esther Hazen, Marcus Smith, Scott Baldwin as well, who's, who's now moved on, but another player that was consistent in one of those key roles. But those players just completely unlock the, the other players in that squad. And they have such a, a fascinating um, dynamic and it just works. And they're such a showtime team. When they, when it needs to get gritty, they, they get down and uh, and do the business too. And they're just going from strength to strength and they, they look a, a fantastic side again this year. Um, so a great, great win. And as, the interesting thing about that game was the fact Cipriani got um, seemingly dropped for Orlando Bailey. Um, maybe Stuart Hooper's found himself uh, his first choice 10 after the first few weeks of the uh, the Premiership. But maybe we shouldn't get too carried away just yet. And, and Cipriani will come back in and show his worth and his, all of his experience to, to claim that 10 jersey back. Um but yeah, definitely a, a sort of an individual battle to, to keep an eye on there. Yeah, I think, to be honest, Bailey's probably deserved it based on the play so far this season. If you look at their better performances, I think it's ones that he's been in. Um, and Cipriani didn't look with it. We know he's very much a, a player who plays off confidence. And and yeah, he, he didn't look like he really wanted to be there against Saris last week. Um, some of the tackles he shirked and stuff. So um, he is very much an up and down player. So it may have just been they want that more consistency. And hey, Bailey's shown that he's he's good. He's good enough. So if you're good enough, you're old enough. So he's only 21, and he, Bath might be looking at him. Might as well get him. If we're losing anyway, we might as well put a youngster in, get him experience, and then in a couple of years' time, when we may be in a better place, we've got a ready ten. Look at what happened to Quinns and Marcus Smith. Yeah, no, absolutely, and hopefully we see we see Orlando Bailey push on and really become one of the uh, the stormark players in that Bath side full of superstars. Um, another win from Leicester, um, beating Sale. Uh, I know you predicted Sale to, to cause a bit of an upset there based on a couple of previous performances, but just a classy Leicester performance again, uh, just doing the business and, and remaining their spot at the top of the table. Yeah, another game which was a bit of a slog, a bit of a bore-fest, really. Um, especially if you like your running rugby, this was not one for you. Uh, but I thought, yeah, Sale would get the better of them with their big, massive pack, and I thought that it would lend it to them. But I think the real the real difference here was when you looked at 9 and 10, and I think you look at um, George Ford, and they were playing Ben Youngs for most of the game, Leicester, and I think the experience and the quality they've got there when you look at Sale, they're playing their third choice, nine and ten, realistically. And, um, yeah, and I think it just showed the, the difference in quality. Sale missed a couple of kicks as well at important times, and it even won right at the end of the game to secure a bonus, losing bonus point. And it's just little little bits like that where George Ford was just imperious, nudging pretty much everything. So, yeah, I think, I think it just showed the lack of... Um, experience and potentially quality that you've got when you're missing the likes of AJ McGinty and, and Faf de Klerk. Yeah, I think for Sale, they'd probably, well, for me, definitely they were touted as one of the teams that I'd expect to be in that top four quite comfortably uh, if you look at their squad and some of their performances 
last season. They're currently set in eighth, and if Wasps win their game in hand, then they will drop down to ninth too, which is a is an interesting one. They're also tied with London Irish, who are just be, just behind them on on points difference. Um, not quite the start they wanted, um, but still, they've got so much quality. I'm sure they'll bounce back. But this is just such a competitive league that you really can't tell who's going to finish where. Um, and they might struggle as well, losing a couple of their boys up to the international duty of the um, Autumn Nations coming up, which is literally just around the corner. Um, so interesting one for sale, struggling a little bit, but coming up against Leicester at Welford Road, just over 19,000 fans in there. It's, it's not an easy place to go at the best of times, but at the moment, that's one of the, one of the grounds you do not want to go to if you're, you're searching for points. Um, less of a close game. The, the final game of the this, the, this weekend, um, 56-15 Saracens versus Wasps. Another win for, for Saris at home. Um, yeah, they're looking fantastic, aren't they? Max Malins brought his leggings out and absolutely turned up. Yeah, I think. Uh, I watched the first half, mostly this game, and a bit in the second half until I went on to watching slightly different uh, sport. But I was very happy with that result as well. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, 56-50. But I think that the the big thing here is it was just wasps and how depleted their team is. Obviously, going into this, they had 15, 16 injuries, and that they lost three players in the first half as well. Um, half this squad, they were saying, uh, as the players were coming on, had been brought in from Ealing, Doncaster. Um, half these players have never really played together before. They're bringing in a lot of youth as well to try and cover. And I think that was a big thing. Wasps, they were, they're trying to do their best with the players they've got. But when you've only got 12 senior players fit or whatever it is, they're, they're always going to struggle, especially against a team that's rolling like Saris are at the moment. Yeah, it is a shame because Wasps did look to be one of the one of the sides that were emerging a little bit at, at the beginning of the season. And as you say, some injuries kind of spoilt their chances a bit at the moment. Um, I'm sure we'll see them bounce back as these players start returning to the team. And hopefully, once they return, they can they can keep their fitness. Um, but yeah, as you said, it is a big shame that they're not quite having a full strength side as they'd uh, they'd want to. But another confident win for for Saracens. Obviously, they lose a lot of their England boys this weekend, um, so maybe we'll see a little drop off of of performances. And the time you want to play Saris is always when they're they're losing their internationals. But they're such a a tough side to break down and beat that I'm not sure that. There'll be too many complaints. Well, I say complaints, not many people uh, are massive Saracens fans, but I don't think there'll be any surprise if Saracens make their way back into that top four um, and then start competing at playoff time again. Yeah, I think, yeah, as you said, not many fans, people are big Saris fans, but they are so good. And maybe there's a reason why they're so good, but they are very good and I think it's interesting when you said about Maylands I think first player ever to score back-to-back hat-tricks in the league I believe um obviously three last week four this week and as you said he was in, in leggings this week I saw also with Johnny May I thought it was also uh, interesting obviously a law brought in a couple of weeks ago that any any tier of um rugby you are now allowed to wear full leggings which were previously banned I mean you could only wear short um short under underskins and I think it was interesting. The two players who both wore it were playing on artificial pitches. Um, nobody on on natural grass were were wearing it. Obviously, Gloucester's putting a new artificial pitch in, in Kingsland this year. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And there's a lot of complaints that have come in about these 4G pitches. So it's it's no real surprise that we're going to start seeing players wear some protective gear on these um sort of out and about in Gloucester the other day after one of the Gloucester games I saw Johnny May walking about and he, his burns on his arms and legs were pretty horrendous really and we've seen some horror pictures that have been going around social media of various other players with with these knocks and bruises and yes it's it's really not a good advert for the game seeing these seeing these sort of injuries sustained from just just playing not not even any big collisions or anything like that just playing the game you're going to going to get quite a lot of these burns and horrible scrapes um so yeah i expect we'll probably see considerably more of these leggings when um as the season goes on but are we going to see any forwards wearing leggings i think we might not see that many i don't know do they do them big enough <laughs> True. especially prop forwards they bend over a scrum and it's suddenly ripped i think it's interesting though because i've been on the sarri's pitch um they let you go on it after the game because obviously it's artificial, so it won't do any damage. And the horrible, it's horribly got like loads of like black, black stuff, rubbery stuff that comes off it. And and that's just from walking around. You, you walk around, and your shoes are full of this black rubber stuff. So no wonder if you're then getting tackled and the players aren't fans of it. I know Joe, Joe Marler was obviously one who came out and was quite vocal about, about how they should be banned. And yeah, I think there are better alternatives. Obviously, Sarri's was one of the first teams to get it done so there's maybe a slightly outdated whereas I think Gloucester have gone for more artificial with a bit of grass or something like that um, which may may help a bit but as you said all these players picking up these big injuries especially as more and more teams are deciding to to try and improve the state of their pitches by making it artificial. Yeah it's definitely I can see the appeal from clubs based on sort of a financial and, and ease value but it has to be done right to keep the players in favour and to, to sort of, to, for player safety, really. We talk about player welfare a lot and then the, and we see a big shift in, in pitches, which is injuring a lot of them. It doesn't really make sense, but if that's the way that, that the sport's going, we need to make sure it's, it's done properly and in a safe way. Um, but aside from all the negatives around that, a hell of a weekend of fixtures. Um, a lot of people call in for, for the this to be an advert for why relegation should be possible um bit of a, a bigger debate on that and maybe we'll we'll cover that in a, in a more full episode um but certainly an interesting call on that one um we'll move on now to our teams uh, we've drafted these up beforehand so it'll be interesting to see how close me and seagrave are with these teams um did you want to kick us off with the the first prop yeah, do you want to go like that, or do you want to go team by team who you've got from that team, or will that be a bit confusing? I say let's go position. I say let's go positional, and then see how how we go. I found this very difficult. First of all, how did how did you find it? Yeah, it was certain positions. It was quite kind of nailed on. I think certain players were kind of nailed on. But yeah, I think when you get you get. I find the backs slightly easier. I think maybe they're, they're the more standout players. You see their name all the time, they're a bit flashy, whereas some of the, the, the more dogs in your team and trying to figure out who's who's best player. Everyone's best player seems to be in the backs, if you get what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, it, yeah, so it, it was challenging more for the forwards, I think. But for one, I was kicking it off. I mean, I'm not sure because I don't know props, but I believe 
he plays this side. I've gone Ellis Genge, number one. Yeah, I think that's a, definitely a fair shout there. And I think it's probably most people's choice. I did have him in, then I, I did a late change um, just to sort of make sure I was getting in as many good players as possible. Uh, I went for Sutherland in the end um, as my Worcester player to start at, in that number one jersey. Yeah, I think that's fair. Obviously, we haven't probably seen, well, we definitely haven't seen the best of him in a Worcester shirt so far. I mean, since he's come in, they've been pretty dire. But I, I think, yeah, he, he is a very good player as he's shown in for play for Scotland. I think, um, yeah, Genge, number one, captain in Leicester this season, and you, you've seen what they're doing. I think for me, Leicester were a hard team. I'm not sure in their backs they've got um, too many superstars. Obviously, George Ford's one that you'd look at. Um, but yeah, you, I think there's better players in most of the other positions. They're just a good, solid unit, especially as well in the pack. So I think for me, Genge was the big standout one that you go probably Leicester's best player. Yeah, absolutely. And there was there was one player which I wanted to get in and I wanted to make sure that I had. And he is a Leicester player, which we'll cover a bit later on. Um, but yeah, I did have Genji in until I remembered remembered about this boy. Um, and it's just it's it's, t- it's so tough to move them about. So you've got good enough players from every every uh, sort of position and team. I think if we were doing sort of a, a full on dream team, then Ellis Genji would probably be my starting starting number one. But for the for the sakes of trying to get all of the teams in, I've gone for for Sutherland. Yeah. Um, Hooker, I've gone for Creevy from London Irish. Um, I don't think there's too much to why well, there's there's no need for introduction for that man. He's a, he's a try scoring machine. He's got experience coming out of his ears. He's he's amazing in all facets of the game, and he's just an absolute legend of the sport and, and a, a cracking player for for Irish and having another fantastic season this year. Yeah, I think that's a brilliant shout. I nearly went for Creevy. But I felt like, uh, I don't know why, but I, in my head it was like, it was too old. He's too old. I don't know what, why I was building a team in five years' time or something. But that is horrible. I, I can't believe you I said that. That is horrible. And he's uh, he scored, what is it, is it, five tries this season, something like that. He's, he's absolutely on fire, playing unbelievably well. Um, but yeah, he isn't he isn't my choice at hooker. I've actually gone for um, Scott Baldwin. Obviously, recently moved for Worcester, moved to Worcester, I believe. That is right, isn't it? He just yeah. played for Worcester. Otherwise, yeah. I've messed people up. He um, just recently moved to Worcester. Obviously, Worcester, having seen the form they've been in, didn't really think I could pick one of their best players, uh, uh, their new players, sorry. Well, like their new, new players, because um, like Van der Merwe has barely played and barely touched the ball yet. So um, I think Scott Baldwin, he's come in. Um, he, he Obviously, he's come in from the Premiership so we know how he, how good he's been in the Premiership, um, obviously Wales International, and yeah, I think when you you're limited potentially for Worcester, uh, I think you're a good solid choice there. Yeah, no, absolutely, and as, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, had a great effect on um, Harlequins last season, and I'm sure he'd be willing to make that that impact for Worcester this season. So a great choice in the uh, in that number two jersey. Um, Bit of an interesting one for, for number three. I, I struggled a little bit with it. Who did you go for? So, again, I also struggled. I feel like, I mean, it's one of those, if you're not watching every team, like, intently, um, it's very hard to choose props because they obviously go a bit under the radar. And I'm not sure there's particularly many really standout props in the Premiership at the moment. 
I've gone for one who, especially towards the back end of last season, and I mean, even this season, um, this week he went off, got a yellow card, so you might have figured it out by now, but he got a yellow card, and during that time, um, Quinn's conceded a couple of tries, so it shows his influence, to, um, and it is Joe Marler. Yeah, I don't think there can be too many... Um... Too many arguments with that. A fantastic player, obviously. Um, the reason I didn't go for him is because I wanted to sneak a different Quinns player in later down the line. And there's a couple of teams where I've had to go for two players. Um, probably could have manoeuvred it, so I had Marler in instead. But for me, I needed a, a Bath player in, so I've gone for Stewart in that number three jersey. Uh, I think he's a pretty consistent player. And as you said, most people in, in these positions, especially the front row, fly quite under the radar. Um, I think he's just a very solid, consistent performer. Quite a, quite a good ball carrier, very decent over the ball, pretty good in defence too, and quite a solid scrummager. So I think he'd, he'd complement that front row quite nicely. Um, yeah, great trim as well. So can't go wrong. Yeah, I think it's interesting though. We've all we've chosen between us four. No, wait, who's your first prop? Uh, Sutherland. All right. So between us, we've chosen three English props. Um, Potentially, none of them will start for England, um, even though we've said they're pro- possibly the best in the country. I mean, um, Sinclair was a big one for me who missed out. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting that we've managed to pick three props between us and, and none of them have really started that much for England recently. Yeah, absolutely. I think, again, Sinclair is one of these players that would definitely make it into your squad if you're doing sort of a, a premiership dream team. But when you look at the players that you can have from Bristol, it's really tough to put them in over some of these other names. Um, yeah, I suppose it's more difficult to pick from these these teams that you'd expect to be sort of near the top of the league. I know Bristol obviously aren't at the moment. Um, but yeah, when they, some of these teams have got such a wealth of, of sort of depth in, in all of these positions. Yeah, and I think also with, with, especially when you look at props, I think it's no coincidence for me the players are picked, Genge and Marla, obviously. Leicester have had an awesome start to the season. Marla, obviously, they won the league last year and he got man of the match and was it the semi-final and the final, I believe, or something like that. Um, and he, they're, they're playing well again this season. I think it is, it's no coincidence. I think that's partially what drew me away from Will Stewart is, is hard to pick players when their teams are out of form. Because um, if your scrum's going backwards, like Bath's has a bit, it's, it's difficult to choose that as a prop. Yeah, no, I, I can only agree there. I think for for these players, these teams that aren't playing too well, it's more of a case of trying to just find sort of one of the top players as well as opening it up for other teams to have one of their better players in in some of these other positions. It's, it's quite a tough. It was much harder than I thought when I, when I came up with the idea in my head. I thought, yeah, this would be this would be nice and easy, but it is much more difficult when you actually start going through it. Uh, that being said, we'll move on to the second rows. I'll go for both of mine here. I've gone for Diaga from Sale and Marawatoji from Saracens. I thought you said Diego at first. I was like, who the hell's Diego? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Diego. I used to so Diaga from Sale and and Toja, did you say? I did indeed. Do you want me to go through mine or do you want me? Oh, yeah. I'll say I've got a Toja because I think for me, standout second row probably in the world makes most people's world. Um, 15 quite comfortably he is he is probably the best lock in the world for overall game maybe Etzema but yeah and then I've gone for David Ribbons 
We spoke about him last week in my and I put him in my England squad. And I think, yeah, he's he's just a brilliant player. Um, need a Northampton player. Although they're playing well, I'm not sure there's too many like real standout. They're, again, they're a bit like Leicester. They're, they're just good everywhere. Um, so, and I think he is one of, but he is one of the standout players uh, in the in the lock. Yeah, I did. Uh, Ribbons is another one that I had in my team that I did take out um, in favour of a, a position elsewhere. Um, but yeah, very difficult position to pick, in my opinion. Um, because there is, there is, as as you said, it's sort of a different issue from from the 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 prop and well the front row sort of debate. I think there is quite a few second rows that can easily make it into that side. Um, quite a difficult yeah. option there. Um, also depends what you want with your second rows. Obviously, they they're quite versatile in what they do, and obviously you've got players like Johnny Hill who does everything well. And then you've got some others who who kind of specialise a bit more. So if you look at Gloucester, they've got Ed Slater who around the um, line-out, he's like a pretty much a line-out specialist, whereas you've got, and then you've got like your Lube de Jagas and stuff like that as well. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's difficult. I nearly put Courtney Laws in, but I just went for Dave Ribbons just because uh, I went for, I, it, I think for me, Laws kind of plays more of a six role nowadays rather than the second row. He, he kind of switched on to six a little bit more. And especially for England, you see that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, well, I've, I've done nothing but sing Ribbons' praises on this podcast. I think he's one of the most underrated second rows in the league. Um, well, scratch that, actually. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the league. I think he's fantastic. Um, fantastic player. Again, I, I speak about it a lot, but what an all-round player he is. And I think that's a that's a great choice. Um, the reason I went for a different Saints player, I'll, I'll move on to, to number six now, but I did actually go for Courtney Laws. Um just because I think, again, he's another really consistent, fantastic performer. I think from a Saints perspective, um, I almost actually went for Joanna Augustus. Um, Dan Bigger was in the conversation too. George Furbank was was sort of in and amongst that that decision-making as well for as a fullback choice. Um, but I think Courtney Laws, of all of his, all of his sort of international experience as well as his, his club-level experience, um, I think if, if, if you're going into sort of a final or something, you want a player of of Laws's sort of. You just want someone of his quality and experience around all of the boys, and he's just a fantastic player. And if he needed to shift into second row, he could line out jumper, massive tackler, great over the ball. Yeah, just an all round cracking player, and that's why I've gone for him at six. Yeah, as I said, I nearly put Laws in, but I, I, I've gone for someone slightly different at six. I've gone for one of my two actual sale players and I think outstanding player in the league, Tom Curry. Um, I know he plays a bit more of seven, but I've got a, I've got a true beside at seven. So Curry's had to shift to six and what a player he is. I mean, um, he's just unbelievable, isn't he? I don't think many, te- many, well, I don't think there's a team in the league, in the world probably who wouldn't take Tom Curry and he walks straight in. He's absolutely unbelievable. Um, yeah. I just had to because I yeah I nearly put Laws to six, and then had a um, one of the Dupree's brothers or Dujaga in the second row, but I decided Tom Curry's just too good. Got to have him. Got to have him in my team. Yeah, and, and similarly to what you said with Atoje, I think Curry probably is in the conversation when you're looking at World Fifteens, let alone Premiership Fifteens. Um, outstanding player, only going to get better and better. Again, 
you, you look at him as sort of a fantastic tackler, a pretty good ball carrier too, but his work over the ball at ruck time is just phenomenal. And um, when you play him next to either his brother or one of the Duprees or even Underhill in an in England jersey, just he just works with every single player he plays with. Um, yeah, fan, fantastic player. And that's why I've also put him in, but at seven. Yeah, there we go. I know he plays more at seven, but I'll I'll say my seven now, and and it is Sam Underhill. Um, so then we got England's uh, flankers there, and I think what we they showed in getting towards the World Cup and that, um, how destructive they could be together, um, and and yeah, I think when you've seen them play together, they're everywhere. They're absolute animals, and and for me, I think Underhill because of how poor Bath have been, I think, for most of this season. I was looking for a player who who still stood out, and to me, Underhill's been the one who, although Bath have been poor, Underhill's stood out and put his hand up and gone, look, I'm still going to play at this unbelievable level, even if my team's not performing. Yeah, absolutely, and a great choice. For, for me, I probably would have had them the other way around, if I'm being picky. Um, but yeah, they're both the way they play together is why it's just well, they absolutely play seven, don't they? So. Yeah, yeah, they do. I, I, I prefer, personally, I prefer giving, I, well, to be honest, it really doesn't matter at all because the way they play yeah. for England, they, they both do exactly the same role. Um, so it doesn't matter what number they've got on their back unless it's a number eight on Tom Curry's. Um, yeah. <laughs> they, do, they do a very similar job um, and they do it to an absolutely world-class standard. Um, I think I'd go for Curry at six just because you six normally carries a bit more potentially. And I think Curry's slightly better carrier than Underhill. But I think, as you said, very little in it. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be surprised if we got too far different at eight. I went for Sam Simmons at eight. And I uh, reckon I have, might know. We have gone different. Have, have you gone, gone Alex Donbrad? I have not gone Alex Donbrad. Blimey. Yeah. I've gone. gone. For any more guesses before I tell you? Uh, I'm trying to think of us you've put in. Albert Tuasui. I have gone for Tuasui. Oh, I think goodness. for me, stand standout player for Irish, um, week in, week out. And as I said before, it was, it was between him and Crevy. And I think for me, yeah, Tuasui stood out. And while while uh, yeah, I could have gone for Don Brandt or Simmons, I've gone for slightly different players. Um for, for those teams because I think they have they had a wider selection where I think for me Tuasui yeah stands out as pro- possibly or a big shout out for London Irish's best player. Man, how good is Tuasui? He's one of my favourite players to watch. He like every single carry he commits with 120% effort, and you know even if he gets tackled or hit first time on, he's making sort of five yards minimum every sort of carry and what for for a man of his size what you often see with these eights is they'll come in for the big hit or they'll just sort of wait around for any sort of loose balls potentially to to come their way so they've got that instant attacking mindset but Tuasui is everywhere on defense he's even making the big hit he's making these these well sort of planned out tackles which allows someone else like Kakrivi to to come in and get over the ball or he's over the ball himself um, and he's an absolute fiend wherever you go. And if, if that bloke is is over a ball, Jacqueline, good luck trying to clear him out. Because that is, yeah, that is not for me. That is absolutely not for me. But yeah, what a player. I think that's a great shout, actually. I'm a bit disappointed that I haven't put him in. 
Yeah, I think, as you said, just he makes yards. And I don't think there's much more you can ask for from your eight. We said, I mean, we've zoned on Brands players. I also wanted to go for someone slightly different. Um, but yeah, I think he just creates space for other players as well. So you went for Sam Simmons as your ex to pick then. Um, I did, yeah. yeah. You can't, you, well, we've spoken about the quality of him before on this. He does everything well. He scored, what was it, 18, 19 tries last year. Um, ridiculous. He's, he's just so good. Yeah, he's a machine. He, he doesn't really need any explaining. He's, he's, I can imagine if you asked 100 people, about 95 of them would be putting Simmons in. Or, or Don. But not, me. But not <laughs> you. Just want to be different, don't you? I want to stand yeah, out. But no, what a player Simmons is and what a player Tuasui is. The only thing I will say about Tuasui is I want to see that ginger beard back because that was quite impressive. <laughs> right, moving on to scrum half. Who? What team have you gone for? What team have I gone for? Yeah, what team have you gone for at nine? I've gone for Wasps. So have I. I've gone for their back. No, I've gone for I've gone for Dan Robson. Yeah. Um, for me, it was between two. I think um, it was between him or Faftekler, and I was close to putting Faf in, but I haven't seen Faf play in a while because he's been injured and away with South Africa. So I went for Dan Robson, who has just is just brilliant. As I spoke about him last week in the the England squad selection and him being omitted, I thought was an absolute crime. So you don't need me to go on about Robson again, but he's he's brilliant and yeah, uh, for me was probably best player. Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> if if you want to listen to us sing Robson's praises and and. Our, our devastation as to him not being included in that England squad. Go and have a listen to, to the previous episode because we go into it in, in a decent amount of depth there. But cracking um, cracking nine. And probably at a time where no other Wasp players really putting their hands up too much. Um, of course, you could go for for, for players that are injured. Yeah, you, you look at some of their injured players that it's sort of in a good form. You'd be you'd be tempted to put them in. But, but Robson's comfortably one of the best orchestrators in the league for me. And it it was like the the try against um, whoever it was last last week. There was a break on, but he communicated so well with a couple of the younger players in the team. So they they worked it perfectly. And that, that's, that's the side of his game that you don't often see sort of on your highlight reels and things. But yeah, he's, he's such a clever player and, and he's uh, definitely my starting nine. Yeah, I think. He brings that maturity over a player like Harry Randall, um, which is, is is understandable considering the age gap. But yeah, I think Dan Robson um, quite comfortably in at nine for me. And I'd imagine our 10 is probably the same. Jimmy Gopper. Uh, uh, <laughs> Jimmy Gopper. Have yeah. you ever Gopper? No, I've fair, gone for... Another class player who yeah. is underrated. I know he's getting on a bit now and he comes on. That's the um, only reason I say it. Every time we talk about tens, you talk about Jimmy Gopperth being a fantastic he, player. He plays centre more often than not now. True. Yeah, useful player to have. Really useful player yeah. to have. But very, I've very gone for Marcus Smith. Yeah, no surprise I've also gone for Marcus Smith. Obviously, I had Joe Marler in. And uh, uh, as I said earlier, I've got two sale players. So two sale players and two Quinns players for me. And okay. yeah, Marcus Smith. I thought about... I thought about it some others, but for me, there's no competition. I think, again, probably World world 15, you can't really go wrong if you put Marcus Smith in there. Yeah, I think 
yeah, he's he's a cracking player. And there's, there's, there's again, similarly to Robson and, and Simmons, there's not a lot extra to say that hasn't already been said. He's just a unbelievable player and just going, just getting better every single game. And yeah, he's, he's got a goose step that oh. would haunt defenders every week. And he's getting better, I swear. This season, he's he's doing it left, right, and centre. Ridiculous. He's doing... he got the the thing that impresses me most with Marcus Smith is he has got the rugby brain of a fly half who's been playing the game at the, the top level for years. Do you just compare Marcus Smith to Andy Goode? Yeah, well, I said he's got the rugby brain of Andy oh, Goode. True. Not quite the, the rig. Not quite the rig of Andy Goode. Slightly but, um... different rigs <laughs> from Marcus <laughs> Smith to Andy Goode. I've also never seen Andy Goode pull a goose step like, uh, no. like Smith has either. Um, oh, well, it was even like, did you see the, oh, oh, to be honest, it was an awful offload, but the offload from um, Tyrone Green um, this weekend where he just pretty much throws it up in the air and um, Smith makes it uh, makes it work and puts Marchant in the corner. But it was just like from nothing, really. It was a pretty shit offload, if I'm honest, because it, you just went about 15 metres up in the air and most fly-offs with that would probably have just kicked it or, or, or ran into contact. But he managed to then step through and then put Marchant away in the corner. It was brilliant. Yeah, unbelievable player, unbelievable player. And such a, such a young age. Um if we move on to 11 now, or should we go centres first? I think centres first. Okay, so I've actually gone for my second Quinns player at 12. I've gone for Andreas de Hazen. Um, I, I think he's probably one of the best 12s in the world, if we're looking at form 12s. Absolutely unreal. One of my favourite players to watch. He's so, he is, yeah, he does everything. He does everything. For a man of his size, you wouldn't expect him to run that fast and have the ball handling skills that he does. But he's just got, he's just got everything. And every game I watch him, he gets better and better. Um, yeah, just top physicality. We saw him do a, do a bit of a, uh, well, certainly kept up with with Tuolangi quite comfortably. Um, and they had quite a good ding dong battle last week. Um, but yeah, cracking player at twelve for me. Yeah, I think um, obviously he scored two tries this week. It was absolutely brilliant. Um, and I think it is no coincidence that the one time they played played a team that's been able to match his physicality a bit into Alangi is the one week they've lost so far. Um, every other week, he's just been smashing through. And they look completely... If you can control Esther Hazen, I think you do go a bit of a way for controlling Quinns. Obviously, you've got Marcus Smith. But um, he, he does uh, it does make it easier for Smith when you've got a man like that who he can dump it off to if it all goes wrong. And Esther Hazen will just take it with three men on his back and keep going. Um he is a he's a very good show. Is he he is South African, isn't he? He is, yeah. Has he how is he not in the South Africa squad and in and around? I think the only reason would be that Lukayo Am and um Damon Di Alande are just playing out of this world at the moment. They're probably I know we say that Esther Hazen is one of the best twelves, but I think those two probably are two of the best centres, if if not the best at the moment. And so it's Really tough competition to get into, but I don't see it being too long until someone comes knocking for for him to to have a little go in that um that green jersey. For Andre the Giant, well, I haven't gone for Andre the Giant. I have gone for probably the best twelve in the world when fit. However, he's never fit, but he has been this season for quite a bit of it. I've gone for Manu Dwelling. Interesting. I know he plays 13 sometimes, and but I prefer him as a 12. Um, in that Estazen type role, 
he's brilliant, he's destructive, he's rapid, he's, well, we see, especially earlier in his career, obviously, for the last good few years, he's not really been fit um, for long enough period to be called anywhere near the best in the world. But when you look, think back to when he was first in the England squad, he was so good. And I, I think he's been showing for, showing a bit of form and showing that he could potentially get back there. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anyone can argue with that. One, of, Yeah, certainly one of England's best 12s of all time, I'd say. Um, just about keeping fit. And so, so I'll really hope that he does stay fit. Um if we talk about sort of the dynamic of the team that, that you've, you're building here, you've gone for Marcus Smith then at 10. Obviously, we'll cover who you've got at 13 and then obviously you're back three players too. So would you be looking for a sort of Bosch 12 to come through and then um, and then maybe Smith on some wraparounds, unlock your, your back line? Because that was the sort of idea that I had, but in Esther Hazen at 12, I've gone for semi rather as the 13 just as a, a real playmaker to to open things up when once Tuilangi uh, once uh, Esther Hazen is committed to that that sort of hard line through through the middle. Um, apart from that, though, looking at my team, I don't have too many hard line runners apart from maybe your 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 Tom Curry. Maybe I know Sam Simmons does to a to an effect, but not quite as much as maybe a Tuasui does. Um, but yeah. Esther Hazen at 12 running that hard line. A bit more of a playmaker, I'd say, at the moment than Tuolangi. Um, but obviously, we, we know Tuolangi's definitely got that in the locker and Um So how, what sort of dynamic are you looking to to play with this team? Well, I've also gone for Rodrada at 13. Um, absolute animal. Um, hands like feet. Well, not like feet, actually. Hands like big muffin. Muffin? Big mittens like... <laughs> Basically, I'm trying to say he's got really good hands. He can catch and hold it with one hand. I'm trying to say that, but I don't know how to say it in better terms. Um, he's an animal, obviously player of the season a couple of years ago. Uh, or was it last season? I don't know. One of the seasons he was player of the season. Haven't actually seen him yet this season because he's picked up an injury. But yeah, when fit, I think Bristol look a different team. And he is comfortably Bristol's best. Well, it's either between him or Piotr. Uh, I'd probably lean towards him being Bristol's best player. Um, and I think if he can start, if you're hitting some hard lines with Tuolangi um, and Rodrada's there to um, pick it off, if he gets any offloads, both of them can hit a hard line and get offloads off to the other one. Um, you, your defence are then very fixed because if you've got Tuolangi running at you or Rodrada, neither of them, you can't really put oh, both centres drift towards Tuolangi if you know you've got Rodrada there because he will also smash through you. Um and then you've just got Smith to pull the pull the strings between those three. All of them have got good hands. All of them have got uh, well, Smith not so big, but the other two are massive. Obviously, you've got two Asui in your side side as well. Imagine you're lining up with two Asui, two Alangi, and Rajrada running at you. You've also got Dave Ribbons who carries well. Itoja carries well. Curry carries well. Genji carries well. You've got so many ball carriers in this team that. You, you, your defences aren't going to be able to be set on a player because they, they, they'd they have to be about three on one on every single player. Um, so, yeah. And I think when you then look at the players I've got outside outside these two, the spaces they'll absolutely love. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, if we move on then to your to your um, your back line, um, I've gone for... Should we go for both at the same time? Both wingers? Yeah. So I went for Louis Rees-Samet and 
Adam Rad one. Yeah, I've gone for the same. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a bit boring, but uh, I think Radwan is Newcastle's standout player. I think uh, when you compare him to uh, a lot of their other players, I mean, they've got some good solid forwards, but I think if you if you have one like star player or on, on your fantasy, which player are you going to um, captain? It's going to be Radwan. He's going to be the one to, to do stuff. And yeah, and I think with his pace, with Reece Zamet on the other side, that you just teams wouldn't be able to keep up with them. So you'd be loving, loving life. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, yeah, when you we we've had the conversation a few times on the pod where we said who's quicker, Zamet or Radwan, and we we alluded to the fact that in a few years maybe we'll see them lining up on on either flank for for the Lions in in a few years' time. Um, but yeah, having those two out wide, they're just going to finish everything. That that space that you make is just going to get absolutely eaten up by players like like that. And I don't see anyone sort of in world rugby who's quick enough to to keep up with these two. Uh, so yeah, as you say, fairly boring, but fairly obvious choices there for me. Um, be interesting to see who you've got at fullback. Yeah, um, I've gone for my the back three. My back three pace is unbelievable because I've got Stuart Hogg in there. Oh, that's um, a good shout. Yeah, he's my Exeter player. And I forgot about Stuart Hogg. How was that happened? <laughs> Radwan, Resummit, and Hogg is my back three. I mean, you're not getting any pacier than that. Those that's three true. with Duolangi and Rudrada. I mean, <sighs> Marcus Smith's going to have an absolute field day on my team. Um, yeah, uh, he's so good. You know, I mean, defensively, maybe is where, where the questions lie. But with my team, we don't care about defence. We're just going to score 100 points every game. A um, bit like Quinns. We'll just outscore you. Um, yeah, I think Hogg is... Well, I, I don't even think it is a fact. Hogg is the best attacking fullback in the world. Um, that is a big good. statement, James Seagrave. Stuart Hogg is who the best who, attacking fullback in the world. Who compares to him in, in attack Oof. as a fullback? Uh, Bowden Barrett. No, Bowden Barrett isn't a fullback. Well, he plays there mostly for for the All Blacks. Yes, I know, but he's more of a ten, and, and, and he's just quick. Um, I think Stuart Hogg is the best attacking fullback. I wouldn't say necessarily the best fullback because that is a big statement. A lot of people would would argue that he is the best fullback. I don't know because I think he has got some defensive frailties. Um, but yeah. I think for attacking wise, his his speed and his step in, and you just see it for Scotland. You give him a couple of yards, and he's just gone. Especially against teams like Italy, where they do give him a bit more space. Um, and I think that's the thing with the, with these back three. You give any of them a little, little yard, they're all such great finishers. My only problem would be would they pass to each other? I don't know. Um, yeah, probably not. Probably. No. Who's so, so just on Stuart Hogg, similarly to Marcus Smith, once you see Hogg running that sort of curved line, as soon as he puts in that little, you know, that little stutter step or that little goose step, you know that he's gone then. You know some space has been opened up. He's seen it and he's attacking it. And you can only hope that you manage to sort of grab a hold of a bit of shirt, a bit of shorts, maybe tap an ankle because he knows where he's going. And he, nine times out of 10, he gets through there as well. And then imagine him breaking like that. Looking out wide, and you've got Radwan and Louis Rees Summit start outside you. Yeah, that's that's good night, isn't it? Oh my wheels, that is ridiculous. Um, yeah, I know. And especially if you've got 
Well, you, you want somebody who could keep up with Hogg if he makes a break. Well, you've definitely got the players who can keep up to be supporting lines there. Yeah, too true, actually. Too true. I've gone for a slightly different option. Um, I've gone for my Leicester player now. I've gone for Freddie Stewart as my 15. Um, one of the players that I sort of touted to be one player to watch um, through this year, obviously had a, a very good season last year. Um, looked like to be a very comfortable very decent 15, obviously got his shot in England jersey too. But this season he's just kicked on and he's, he's unreal. I think he's six foot five. So I think that may be one of the battles that that we'd see if these two um, two teams did face off some of these kicks up from uh, Smith with, with Freddie Stewart versus Stuart Hogg. I think maybe Stewart will, would win that battle there. Um but yeah, I think he's a fantastic player, properly all round. And he's got, for, for a bloke of his size, he's got absolute wheels. And we see some players now, sort of when there's a, there's a man down, see some of these wingers filling on the side of the scrums. If you put him on the side of the scrums, you've got a hell of a, <laughs> hell of a player filling in there. Yeah, I think Stuart was one that I nearly went for, but I think I just went for the experience, the finishing quality of, of Hogg. Um, I think for me, Stuart, yeah, in a few years' time could be one of the standout fullbacks because I think he has got that defensive brain as well. Um, but at the moment, I think Hogg, yeah, his, his attacking and his kicking as well. Hogg's, Hogg's got a very underrated boot, I think, as as seen by the fact he played 10 for Scotland and, and was kicked for Scotland. I think I think Hogg's, um, yeah, just is so good in attack. And for me, slightly ahead of Stewart now, but Stewart's, what, 21, 22? So Stewart's got plenty of time. And I think he should be the the England fullback going forward. Yeah, absolutely. So that that's our both of our fifteens now. So keep an eye on uh, our Twitter page because and and our Instagram page because we will be doing um some polls just to see whose side you prefer, and then we'll have a little discussion about who wins. Not that anything's a competition, Seagrave, but but if maybe you do win, is. I will just be saying it's a fix because it's it's, it's <laughs> wow. It's you, so I, I think it's you fixing it. So. Never. I wouldn't do such a thing. I wouldn't I'll just make do 100 such a thing. And vote for myself. <laughs> That'd be good. That'd be good. Do it. <laughs> right. So I'll put these up on, on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Uh, get your votes in. Let us know. Uh, and feel free to... The DMs are open. So send us some DMs on what you think. And if there's any other sort of teams that you want us to build, whether it's crazy ideas like, like superheroes in a 15, actors in a 15, actresses in a 15, Something to get us thinking and looking elsewhere. Fruit and veg Let 15. Oh. Fruit and veg 15. What an idea. Maybe we get That's that one done. We can note that one down. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Although some players might get get a bit offended. If I'm putting potatoes in the in the front row, I don't think props are going to be too happy with me with that. Happy but... six. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's something we need to look at. That's a good shout, actually. But yeah, get your votes <laughs> in for that one. Um, and we'll see who's got the better side for that um final thing for this episode is just to look at next week's games obviously this will come out on friday so this will be the day of the first fixture which is gloucester facing exeter how did you get on in your predictions last week seagrave so four and two i believe yeah i got northampton right i got gloucester right i got quinn's right and i got sarries right but I didn't get a Leicester or Exeter. Obviously, I don't think many people got Exeter. But I went against the grain with Sale and they let me down. But yeah, it's interesting as well, noticing the amount of home victories, which obviously dipped during COVID. And I think it's interesting looking that 
um, it's reinstated itself in, in all the home teams, well, apart from Exeter one. So, um, yeah, home advantage seems to be really uh, being uh, recovering, and and fan, uh, players are really. Get, uh, I don't know what I'm saying. Fans are really feeding off their fans. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it is interesting, but I think it's to be expected. Yeah, oh, definitely. Right. Looking at these fixtures then. So four, you predict this week? Four's the one to, to beat. Yeah, so Gloucester Exeter Friday night, Kings O under the lights. I'm going to go for Gloucester. Purely because Exeter will lose some of their first teamers. Um, I know Gloucester will lose Atkinson and May, but they're quite well. I think Atkinson's actually more of a loss than May, purely because we've got quite a lot of depth in that position in in the Gloucester ranks. Um, but yeah, yeah I, th- I think so. I think based on form as well, four games unbeaten, Friday night lights at the sh- in front of the sheds, never an easy place to go. Um, but saying that, I think Exeter will be really fired up. I know, I know Rob Baxter's come out and said that he's um, really wanted to test the integrity of this team and see what they're about and what a place to prove it away at Gloucester. Yeah, I think that is an interesting one. Gloucester obviously like an upset under the lights on, on, at King's Home on Fridays. But yeah, Exeter will be fired up after that loss. So I, I wouldn't want to be predicting that. Um, but luckily I don't have to. Uh, Bath Wasps at the wreck. What are you saying? How do you predict that one? Bath Wasps at the wreck. That is such a tough one to call. Um, I think based on the fact it's at the wreck and based on the fact that Wasps have a few players out injured, I've just had a look at their injury list, which which looks to be even more... Um, it, it looks to be even worse again this week with a few more players being out. Um, I think what I'm going to have to do is go for Bath, I think. I think that's what I'm going to have to do. first win of the season. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, really you, tough one. You kind of hope so against Wasps under 13s. Um, you kind <laughs> of hope so. <laughs> uh, there we go to Brentford. Uh, London Irish against Bristol. Hey, this is really tough. Do you want to swap? Can you do this week? No, no, no. I'm, I'm quite happy. I'm quite happy. <laughs> oh, man. I'm just looking at the other fixture. Harlequins versus Saracen. Northampton versus Leicester. Hey, you're not meant to be oh, looking. Irish Bristol. <laughs> um, I'm going to go for London Irish. I think Bristol have been a little bit off it of late. Well, a lot off it of late based on their, um, their sort of standards. I think London Irish will be absolutely bouncing after that win against Exeter. Um, taking... Uh, trip up for Bristol as well as we said home games are sort of more uh, yeah London Irish going to lock in London Irish for that one yeah I think fair probably be a draw again Irish love a draw um, Northampton Leicester oh difficult one again wow wow what a, what, a, what a call that is I'm trying to think who do who do both teams lose to England um, Genge Steward, Fairbank uh, for Northampton. Wells, is it Wells or is it? Um... Is Courtney Laws going? Yes. I'm going to go for Northampton Saints. Oh, I think you think that Laws will help. 
<laughs> Law, <laughs> yeah, that was bad. Is Law's going to be there? No, I think Northampton are going to win. <laughs> <laughs> that is <great. laughs> Um, I just think, oh, that is a really tough one. Um, I think, yeah, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to stick with it. Northampton safe. Leicester can't go and the whole season unbeaten. Surely. I said that last week, and then they they won anyway. But yes, I I, I tend to agree. Although they've still got George Ford, which may help. Yeah. What's his face? Number nine. Uh, I was doing ben so Young. well, not anyone named um, Ben Young. Ben, yeah. Yeah, but they got um, they got Van Portfleet as well, who's fantastic. Yeah. So and he's been starting most weeks. Yeah. Uh, so Northampton. Then we go to Worcester at Sale. No, Sale at Worcester. I'm going to go for Sale. I'm All right, I sale. want a little caveat on this one because it's pretty easy, probably. Above 50 or less than 50 points? Oh, no, I think it'll be close. Credit credit to Worcester, right? I think it'll actually be close. Um, credit to Worcester. They've, lo- they've lost the last three games by... Yeah, I know, but you've got to think. Sale, every one of Sale's games, if they've won or lost, they've made them close. They've never run away with a victory yet. Um, they haven't played Worcester yet. They haven't played Worcester yet. That is right. <laughs> Don't be horrible. Why are you being horrible? I'm not being horrible, but when oh, you've lost... Wow, horrible. It... it you kind of become a laughing stock. You are being horrible now. There's no need for that. I think Worcester are going to win the league. I think oh, they're well, going to... Yeah, well, I think they're probably going to I did predict back. them to finish bottom. So they are... Although Bath are trying to ruin that for me. Um, I'm going to lock in Sale Sharks, please, Mr. Seagrave. Final answer. Scoring less than 50 points. Scoring less than 50 points. I think it will be... Should I throw a little score prediction out there as well? Oh, no. Sale by 15. Ooh. Oh, so they're still battering them. Um, yeah, not 50, though. Don't be horrible. Quinn's Surrey's. Big game. Big, Pass. big game. Sunday. Pass. At the stoop. No, you can't do that. Pass, please. No, I don't no, want to no. answer. Well, you've got to. Who knows, James? Who knows? I'm not the oracle. I don't know. I know. Well, you've, got, just, you've got a 50-50 chance. I'll go for... Oh, I'll tell you... Half of me thinks, right, this is how I'm envisioning it at the moment. Harlequins come out and throw some absolute... Oh, actually, no. I think, oh, oh, James, this is so hard. I just no thought... Marcus Smith, no, no Marcus Dom- Smith. No Don Brandt. No, no Joe Mark- Marchant. Um, no, but then you oh, look at Saris, exactly the same. Oh, this could be no, tough. Yeah. Is Tommaso Allen fit? I don't know. Is but he is back? Is he as good as Alex Lazowski is the question. Yes. Is he? I think he's better than Alex Lazowski. No, don't be silly. I think he might be. I don't know. Maybe he's 10, but not as an overall player. Probably, no, no, I, I will agree with you there. No, that's true. I think if you're looking for someone to sort of stay consistent and keep slotting these kicks, I don't think you can go too far wrong with Alex Lazowski. Um, and he can play 13 or 12. You've got to think as well, though, that Hugh Jones is coming into this uh, Quinn's side instead of Marchant in that 13. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's either going to go, Quinn's are going to do some real fancy sort of out-of-the-back play and unlock Saracens and look fantastic, or Saracens are going to make it real horrible and gritty for them, and then someone like Lazowski is just going to keep slotting these kicks all day long. Um, do you want help with the weather? Do you want to know what the weather's doing? Yes, please. Yes, please. Can I phone a friend too? Is that okay? No, no phone and friends, just weather. So what are you leaning towards before the weather? 
if it's going to be are nice you sure and sunny, internationals are definitely gone. The England internationals are definitely gone. Um, Scotland and Wales are, are still. I'm going to go for Saracens. I'm going to lock it in. It says Sunday, 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 heavy rain all day in London. Saracens are going to win the match, James. They are. Maybe, maybe they won't. Who knows? Bloody rugger, <laughs> James. Bloody rugger. Barry, you're going. So you're going for Gloucester Friday nights at home against Exeter. Yeah. Going for Bath at home against Wasps. Yeah. You're going for Irish at home against Bristol. Yes. You're going for Northampton at home against Le- Leicester. Yes, please. You're going for Sale away. Sale away. Sale away. And then you're going. <laughs> and then you're going for Saracens away as well in the rain. I think street. so. Although I have thought that might be wrong, but. Well, yes, that's generally what predictions... That's how they work. Bloody knows. Well, get your betting advice off, not us. Um, Yeah, unless I get six out of six, then... Actually, no, bet responsibly. you get them right because of us, uh, we you can PayPal us and link it. Free tips available. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think that's going to be a six out of six uh, week. Pretty easy predictions this week. No real tough 50-50 fixtures. Uh, no. Yeah, peace, peace. Yeah. Perfect. So we will see you again next Friday at 10 a.m. whilst I celebrate my six out of six predictions. Um, matches on BT Sport this weekend are the Gloucester Exeter Games, the Northampton Leicester Tigers, and Harlequins and Saracens. Um, we haven't got sponsorship from Stan Sport yet, so who knows if they're on there? We don't know. We want one for BT Sport, though. That'd be ideal. Yes, BT Sport. Hit me up. Um, <laughs> so yeah, an exciting weekend of fixtures. All, all joking aside, some some cracking uh, some cracking fixtures, and it really could go any way this weekend. Really could. Yeah. Interesting take then. Actually, just before we finish, who's winning, Harlequins or Saracens? Wait, you just answered that. Oh no, but in your opinion, I would lean. I don't know. I would lean towards Saris, but because especially as it's raining, because their pack has scored before Malins has gone on a mad one, their pack has scored the majority of their tries. Um, I would lean towards them because I think their pack will probably out. But it's difficult because you look, Jamie George is missing, Atoja is missing. But I think when you look at it, you've got Ezekiel, you've got you've got enough quality there. I think I'd lean towards Saris as well, but you can't write off this Harlequins team. Um, so I, I, I'm glad I don't have to predict it, but I'd go Saris. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Glad we are agreed on that one. Right, so that is all from us this week. See you again next week, guys. Remember to get your votes in on the polls for both of our teams, and we will see you next week. Enjoy the rugby. Bye-bye. Thank you.